This is the Justice Fighter Podcast. Justice Fighter Podcast. With Attorney Gerald Griggs. Well, we have conversations on social justice, civil rights, and political news that affects us all. Let Attorney Griggs put you on game. Only on the Justice Fighter Podcast, y'all. What's going on, y'all? This is Attorney Gerald Griggs of Justice Fighter. You are live here on the Justice Fighter Podcast on the Justice Media Network. I want to come in and have a conversation with you. It's been an interesting week. Uh, last night was very, very trying for a lot of people. Uh, both in the state of Alabama but around the country because last night Nathan Woods was executed by the state of Alabama. And if you haven't heard the story of Nathan Woods, let me let me break it down to you. Uh, he was convicted in 2005 for the killing of three Birmingham police officers. Woods' co-defendant who fired the shots had claimed since his arrest that Woods didn't have a gun and ran away when the firing began. Beyond the questions about his culpability were doubts was adequately represented during trial. Several high-profile activists stepped forward for Mr. Um, Mr. Woods, uh, including the Reverend Martin Luther King uh, III, uh, son of the slain civil rights icon, he wrote on Twitter, the actions of the U.S. Supreme Court and the governor of the state of Alabama are reprehensible and have potentially contributed to an irreversible injustice. Uh, also, King wrote, we are crushed that Nate experienced a grisly injustice and crushed his family, King wrote. This is a modern day lynching. He broke no laws at all, never fired a gun and surrendered. Uh, one of the relatives of the officer killed, meantime, described the execution as a step towards justice. Um, they went on to say that partial justice uh, has been served today for our families. One cop killer down as we patiently wait for the next one uh, was in a statement read by Star Sign Linker, uh, which is Harley Chisholm's the third sister on behalf of her sister Rhonda. No petitions could have stopped this day from him taking his last breath. Also slain were Charles Bennett and Carlos Owens. Another officer, Michael Collins, was shot in the leg and survived. Uh, Alabama Governor Kay Ivey, a Republican, refused to stop the execution, said Thursday night that Woods was an integral participant in the intentional murder of these three officers. She described him in her statement as a known drug dealer. Uh, there, She stated there was no evidence, no argument was made that Nathan Woods tried to stop the gunmen who were committing these heinous crimes, she said. After thorough and careful consideration of the facts surrounding the case, the jury's initial decision and many legal challenges and reviews, I concurred and concluded that the state of Alabama should carry out Mr. Woods' lawfully imposed sentence this evening. Uh, hours before his death, uh, the United States Supreme Court had temporarily halted the execution but later denied the stay. Woods did not make any final statement and was pronounced dead at 9.01 p.m., the state's correction department said. Woods' co-defendant, who is also on death row, wrote a letter from prison proclaiming that Woods was 100% innocent I know this to be a fact because I'm the person that shot and killed these three officers. He stated further, don't allow another innocent man to be executed if you can do something to put a stop to this, he wrote. This is my most fervent prayer. Woods was uh, accompanied by several high-profile activists and, and celebrities. Kim Kardashian West wrote, Nate will die for a crime another man confessed to and says Nate had nothing to do with. My heart and prayers are with Nate and his family, and all the advocates who worked tirelessly to save his life. Many of those advocates were Bart Starr Jr., the son of the former, of the late uh, NFL Hall of Fame quarterback, who also pleaded for mercy. Simply being in the wrong place where someone else shows up and starts firing at police officers is not a reason to assign culpability to someone else. And, and um, I actually 
got an opportunity to meet uh, Bart Starr Jr. and members of Nate's family uh, last weekend when I was down in Selma, Alabama, and they brought this case to my attention. And this case underscores for criminal justice reform. As many of you may not know, Alabama is one of the few states that allows for a party to a crime uh, to be executed. And in this particular case, everyone agrees that Nate did not actually participate or actually shoot um, the officers, but he was merely a party to it and he was executed uh, last night. They brought that to my attention while I was down in, in Selma, Alabama, and asked me to help uh, elevate the story of, of Nate Woods. And we kind of helped uh, push it. And then other bigger celebrities got behind it, Sean King, T.I., and so many numerous celebrities, of course, Kim Kardashian West, and so many others. But I think it just in underscores that without that type of pressure, most people wouldn't know about Nate's case. No, most people wouldn't know about uh, the execution. And now uh, a good majority of the community is in mourning um, because of what happened in Alabama. And it just underscores that, you know, whether or not he was a, a co-conspirator, I, I believe that the death penalty was harsh for somebody who did not, you know, actually pull the trigger and, and kill or injure um, those law enforcement officers. So my, my prayers go out to Nate's family. Um, my prayers go out to all of the individuals who were affected by this tragedy on both sides. Um, there was actually a letter written by one of the um, family members of the individuals um, that was killed, and she pled with um, Governor Ivey not to execute Nate uh, for these, these crimes. So, I mean, there's a lot of pain on both sides, but again, my, my heart and prayer goes out to Nate's family um, and to all of those that have been affected by this tragedy um, because, again, no one can be brought back from um, the ultimate punishment, and it, it doesn't serve justice to execute a man who actually did not shoot anybody. Um, so I, I just think that this is a learning experience for all of us that you have to participate in the system. Many people say the system is, is fundamentally flawed, and um, we have to uh, do something about that. And the way we do something about that is everybody involved in this was an elected official from the governor all the way to the judge. And the individuals that returned the guilty verdict were citizens who served on jury duty. Uh, so this is an opportunity to take this as a learning experience of how you can actually effectuate change in the system by participating in the system, by serving on juries, uh, by making sure you vote in your local elections and making sure you hold your elected officials accountable. The very fact that this trended at number one for a good majority of the weekend and last night um, just underscores that people's voices were being elevated. They just weren't heard by elected officials. So we have to make sure when we elevate our voices um, that they get heard. So I understand that Nate's family may be having some actions this weekend um, to, to further push for the call for justice uh, in his memory. Uh, so we're going to keep you guys updated on that here on Justice Fighter Um Justice Fighter podcast, uh, I kind of want to shift gears and, and talk a little bit uh, about what's happening here uh, politically, uh, and that would be House Bill 994, which is the governor's new gang bill. And so we've had a lot of uh, conversation and a lot of debate around this bill, and I wanted to bring you the information on this bill in real time as we have an opportunity to push back in real time uh, and to make sure that uh, our, our brown uh, citizens, black, both black and brown citizens, young people are, are not criminalized. So I want to bring you some information about uh, House Bill 994, which is the, the, go the governor's gang bill. 
And so it was introduced earlier uh, this session and, and it's, it's making its way through uh, the General Assembly. Um, Georgia, this is this is coming from SavannahNow.com. Georgia has now led the way in the morally courageous, data-driven, fiscally responsible criminal justice reform thanks to former, former Governor Nathan Deal and a bipartisan leadership under his administration. Uh, but now, Governor Brian Kemp's anti-gang initiative, we stand to see all that progress undone. His uh, initiative his initiative proposes to return to tough on crime tactics that have long been proven to do little more than burden the taxpayers, keep prison beds occupied, line the, po- line the pockets of for-profit prisons and their contractors and traumatize generations of children, especially those from low-income communities of color. House Bill 994, Kemp's keystone bill in this effort, is designed to address a purported spike in Georgia gang violence. The bill would try children ages 13 to 17 as adults when crimes are gang-related. It defines criminal street gangs as any group of three or more who are suspected of coordinating criminal activity. I'm going to say that again. It defines a criminal street gang as any group of three or more who are suspected of coordinating criminal activity. It allows for the death penalty to gang-related murder charges, lengthens prison sentences, extends the reach of law enforcement agencies across county lines. This bill has serious flaws, uh, legal experts point out, aspects that are unconstitutional. Much worse, the bill ignores science and best practices. Experts on crime, education, equity, justice, youth development, and health communities decry House Bill 994, inconsistency with recent smart-on-crime successes, national trends, science and brain development, and evidence-based effective interventions for young people. In expanding the category of gang-related to include 33 new offenses, it casts a wide net that will capture non-serious conduct, criminalize the impulses of developing children, and punish behaviors related to compound generational trauma rather than to treat it with care and humanity. Lastly, experts at the Gang and Youth Violence Prevention Committee have cautioned that aggressive suppression response without a comprehensive strategy that addresses prevention, intervention, reentry, and suppression strengthens gangs and worsens the, pro- the problem. The gang, the, the gang bill is overkill and unproven. Georgia already has some of the stringent, most stringent anti-gang laws in the country including an average prison sentence of up to 20 years for gang-related conviction. Yet Georgia Bureau of Investigation Chief John Melvin has admitted that he does not know whether these laws are effective. And so that's why I want to bring you this information directly. We've been on the front lines leading the call to push back on House Bill 994 because it criminalizes communities of color. This is going to disproportionately increase the war on black and brown folks in this state. Because as you heard from the article, and that was from Savannah.com, there is no proven data that shows this tough on crime, this tough on gang posture that George is attempting to take will actually be effective, both cost effective and deterrent effective. And so we're calling on you to call on your elected state representatives to vote no on House Bill 994. You know, before we started the rallying cry to push back on this bill, it was flying through committee. Um, they've made some amendments, and I've read the amendments, and the amendments still criminalize young people from the ages of seven, uh, 13 to 17. It did take the death penalty language out. 
uh, but it's not enough. And so we have to make sure that we are vigilant in this call. We have to make sure that we push back. We have to make sure that we're educated. So what I'm going to do, uh, even in this post, I'm going to post the names and telephone numbers of our elected officials who we can get in contact with. Uh, crossover day in the Georgia General Assembly will be next Thursday. And so they have to next Thursday to get this out of committee, which I believe is already passed committee. It has now passed the floor and be and cross over to the Senate. Uh, so we have to make sure we kill this bill. We have to make sure we stay vigilant. That's again, House Bill 994. That's the anti-gang legislation that's been put forward by uh, Governor uh, Kemp. So please Mark that down. Make sure you get in touch with your elected officials, your state representatives. Again, I'm going to uh, probably in this post somewhere in the justice media uh, comments uh, or in the justice fighter hashtag, I'm going to post the actual directory of your elected officials so you can get in contact with them, call them, email them, make sure they hear your voice. And so I just wanted to bring that because we're trying to stop the prison industrial complex. We're trying to stop uh, the school to prison pipeline. And a lot of these young people that get involved in quote gang activity are, are looking for resources. They're looking for acceptance. And if we had those type of resources allocated in our public school, uh, in, in our after school care, all, in all of the activities that they could be in, we could curb this purported gang spike. And again, that's purported because even John Melvin can't say that this is uh, effective. And that's John Melvin, who's the chief uh, for the GBI. They've indicated that there may be 71,000 gang members in Georgia. You have to remember, Georgia is still a state of 10 million people. So that's not even close to a spike, a surge, a, a, a crime wave. And the crime statistics show that crime is actually, especially violent crime, is actually on a decline here in the state of Georgia. So we need to make sure we are well educated on what's actually happening here. If we're going to shift and decriminalize marijuana, we still have to have individuals placed in the system. And I believe they're going to use this gang bill to continue to fill uh, Georgia prisons. And again, Georgia is number one for incarceration. It's still number one for incarceration. So we need to make sure we are aware of what's happening. Again, that's vote no on House Bill 9. 94 contact your state reps and get that information and so we're going to uh, shift again to something else that's going on in georgia politics today was the end of qualifying period and so this is the last day at noon today was the last day to qualify to run for elected office in the um, general primary which will be may the 19th so we had a lot of individuals register uh, to run. We had new faces. We had old faces. We got contested races. We got uncontested races all up and down the ballot. And of course, we have the presidential primary coming up on March the 24th. Uh, early voting has already started. I've already early voted um, for the presidential primary, but we have qualifying period ended today. And what qualifying period is, is the time where you can pay your fee and um, provide under Georgia law that you qualify to run for a specific position and now you can get on the ballot. So we had a lot of people get on the ballot for judges races. We had a lot of people get on the ballot for state and Senate races, state house races, of course, uh, Congress, uh, both on the representative side and the senator. So I want to run down a few high profile names that qualified this week. So in the race for Georgia Senate, we both know we know that both seats are up. Uh, the seat that was previously occupied by, by Johnny Isaacson is now occupied by 
Senator Leffler uh, is up, and Doug Collins qualified, as so as well did uh, Senator Leffler, who was appointed by Governor Kemp. They qualified on the Republican side, and on the Democratic side, uh, the big name entering the race officially is Raphael Warnock. He qualified this morning, and so he will be on the ballot uh, on the Democratic side. And in the other Senate race, um, and of course, like I said, Doug Collins qualified, so it's very contested on the Republican side. And then on the for the other Senate race with against the incumbent David Perdue, we had two major candidates, um, John Ossoff qualified, as well as Teresa Tomlinson qualified as the big names on the ticket. You also had Tamara Sheely Johnson qualify and Maya Dillard Smith qualify. So it's going to be a contested race on the Democratic side to see who will face David Perdue in the fall in November for uh, the big prize for U.S. Senate. So that's just a little bit on the Senate side. Uh, on the, um, the congressional side, the representative side, we got a surprise here. Of course, um, in the 5th District, John Lewis uh, qualified again to run uh, for his seat in the 5th District, but we have some challengers. Uh, on the Democratic side, uh, we have the challenger, uh, I believe his name is Barrington uh, Martin, qualified. I don't know much about him. I will get to know him and bring him to you. And we also have a surprise challenger of Angela Stanton King. Um, she is now running for U.S. Congress in the 5th District. Uh, if many of you are familiar with Ms. Uh, Ms. Angela Stanton from the Real Housewives of Atlanta, uh, as well as she's an author uh, and she's an avid Trump supporter. And so she's thrown her hat in the ring. I've had the occasion to talk with her a few times and debate her a few times. So I'm interested in hearing her platform as she runs against um, John Lewis. Uh, so it, it, that should be interesting. In, in the judges' races in Fulton and DeKalb County, we have a lot of judges qualifying. We have the sheriff's race, which is going on right now um, in uh, for the 24th. So you need to make sure you're aware of the sheriff's race that's happening here. You got a sheriff's race that's happening in Fulton County. And then you had a major surprise in the district attorney's race for Fulton County. Yeah, I say that again. Mr. Paul Howard has a challenger for the DA's office in Fulton County. He has actually two challengers. Uh, one uh, is uh, Christian Wise uh, Smith. He's running uh, for the Fulton County district attorney. And then you also have Fonnie Willis running for Fulton County District Attorney against Paul Howard. And so this, this is going to be interesting. As Mr. Howard has been the elected DA, I believe, since 1996 in Fulton County. Uh, he was the first African-American district attorney in the state of Georgia. And so now he has two, um, he has two uh, opponents that he's going to have to deal with in, in, uh, in May. So that, that should be interesting. Make sure you keep your eyes out for that. We have several contested judges' races. Um, Judge Constance Russell uh, decided not to requalify, so her seat is up. Uh, and there's a couple uh, individuals that were appointed uh, by Governor Kemp that now have challenges, including um, Shamila Williams, who's running against Judge Reeder. Uh, so that should be an interesting contested race. Uh, so I'm going to bring all of these individuals I can get you on the podcast so you can talk to the people and talk about your policies so we can vet the candidates because that's what it's about. It's about vetting the candidates. But, of course, it's also about holding them accountable once they're elected. So, again, I'm going to bring you this information directly on the pod to make sure you're aware of everything that's happening in real time. And with that, we're going to shift to 
the most important thing that's going on right now, and that's at the top of the ticket. So in the Democratic presidential primary, uh, we had Super Tuesday, and Super Tuesday was a sweep by Joe Biden. He won, I believe, nine of the uh, 11 contested races against Bernie Sanders, and we had a lot of individuals drop out of the race on the Democratic side. Amy Klobuchar dropped out. Uh, uh, Andrew Yang dropped out. Uh, you had Elizabeth Warren drop out yesterday. Uh, you had Mike Bloomberg drop out. So it's basically a, a two-candidate race. Of course, Tulsi Gabbard is still um, in the race, but she has like maybe four or five delegates. Uh, so we have some big decisions to make. Mississippi and Michigan vote next, I believe, on Tuesday. And, of course, Georgia votes um, on the 24th. So you got some big decisions to make in the presidential primary. Uh, I have yet decide yet to decide which candidate I'm going to uh, full fully support. I did vote. I did early vote. So at some point, I'm going to disclose who I voted for. Uh, but right now, I want to vet the candidates for you guys to make sure you understand their platforms. I see a lot of information on social media. I need for you to go to their actual websites, not to listen to their surrogates, focus on their policies so that you can understand what's really on uh, the menu for their agenda so you can make an informed decision as to who will take on the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump, who is again sailing through. No, he does. He really doesn't have any competition in the Republican primary. There's a couple people running against him, but uh, he's going to be the, the Republican nominee for president. Uh, and so we're building up to November again. Presidential primary in Georgia is March the 24th. Early voting is already happening. And then we got the general primary um in may may 6th may 19th and then we got the general election which is in november so stay informed this is attorney gerald griggs the justice fighter here on justice fighter podcast again i'm gonna bring you this information direct please follow me on all social platforms at attorney griggs and this podcast will be on all streaming platforms spotify stitcher apple podcast anywhere you can get podcasts uh, this will be up. So this is Attorney Gerald Griggs. I'm the Justice Fighter, and you are tuned in to Justice Fighter Podcast. I'll catch you next time. This is the Justice Fighter Podcast. Justice Fighter Podcast. With Attorney Gerald Griggs. Well, we have conversations on social justice, civil rights, and political news that affects us all. Let Attorney Griggs put you on game. Only on the Justice Fighter Podcast, y'all.